Hello, and welcome to Lit by Moonlight, where it's not a phase to be chained at the ankle with someone you hate. This week, we're discussing Dance of Thieves by Mary E. Pearson. Caitlin and I are actually chained at the ankle right now, and it's not going well. It's because I keep trying to play jump rope, isn't it? It is. That, that is why, yes. I don't understand why you hate that, but okay. Dance of Thieves is a spinoff of Pearson's The Remnant Chronicles trilogy. The story follows Jace Ballinger, new leader of his family's empire, and Cassie of Brightmist, a skilled thief and member of the Venden Queen's army. The Vendens are no allies of the Ballinger family, and Cassie resents the Ballingers and their entitlement to land the Vendens believe don't belong to them. When Cassie is sent to Jace's territory under false pretenses, the two get captured by labor hunters, forcing Cassie and Jace to rely on each other to survive. They both dance around each other, telling lies about their intentions and even their history, but as they travel together, they quickly fall for each other. But what does their relationship mean when they return to their respective homes? Hello everyone, my name is Emberlyn Leja, and I'm wondering if Taylor Swift is planning to let Jack Antonoff out of her basement for the release of her 10th album. Who's Jack Antonoff? It is uh, one of her producers, and he's also part of uh, Bleachers, which is an artist that I really like. Oh. Yeah. I'm telling you, though, she keeps him locked in there. That's that's when he gets all his best work done for her albums, well, I feel like. She better let him out, because yeah. she needs to release that album. My name is Caitlin, and <laughs> I had a funeral for a bird this morning. Say more about that. Um, so last night, uh, a bird, sadly didn't see where he was going and ran right into our window and I literally was in the back of my house and I heard him (laughs) all the way from the front and I went out and uh, he was just laying on the ground and I was just like he'll probably recover and then I woke up this morning and he was still there um, and not you know doing the whole living thing anymore Uh. so I thought all right I'm gonna give this guy like a better resting place and so I took a little shovel and I took him out to my backwoods and I was like, I can't just like throw him. <laughs> so I gently placed him next to a tree and I covered him in grass and I put flowers on him and uh, said, thanks for making my morning interesting, buddy. <laughs> and I walked away. That is so incredibly sad. Like, Yeah, I took a picture of it because they were pretty flowers. You took a picture of the bird corpse. No, not the not the bird corpse. Oh, his just memorial. The, just the flowers. Gotcha. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Maybe I'll share it to our social media. One day, someone's gonna be going through your phone and they're gonna be like, "Why is there a dead bird on your on your photo?" Girls got weird hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so did you know that Dance of Thieves was actually part of the Remnant Chronicles universe? Because I sure didn't until I was looking up spoiler reviews of the book. I very much did not, and I don't even know what that is. Um, do you know what that is? Um, I know it is a trilogy written by Mary E. Pearson, and um, the little bit of the plot that I do know, because I really didn't want to get into spoilers, is that it follows um, well, Princess Leah at mm-hmm, the time, mm-hmm. like Queen Leah mm-hmm. of Venden before like all that she happens. She becomes the queen and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it sounds interesting. So I I added it to my to-be-read list because, I mean, I've already read one of her books in this universe. I might as well read the first one. 
Yeah, that that seems like a good start. I, I was thinking that too when we started the book. I didn't realize it was uh, kind of the duology tied to uh, a whole other series, and I thought to myself, should we have read that first? Well, I I looked it up because when I was looking up like the summary of the book, because I really wanted to make sure that we weren't going to read you know, two books that we didn't really enjoy completely in a row, <laughs> considering last week we did The Quill Prince. Trauma. Um, if you haven't listened to that, go listen to our opinions. We have a lot of them. Um, but I was like, I just need to make sure this is going to be, like, a more enjoyable book for me personally, because I don't know if I can mentally do that right now. Yeah. And people are like, oh, yeah, um, it's a spinoff of her trilogy. And I was like, uh-oh. Uh, so Google said that we could read it without reading the Remnant Chronicles, Good. and we did, and which was fine. I, I was thinking, like, this must feel what it's like to read, like, Six of Crows before the Grisha trilogy. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could totally read this on its own. We did. Yeah. But I think a lot of things will make more sense if, <laughs> if we read the trilogy first. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Um, speaking of Six of Crows, I was actually surprised by how much this series reminded me of that. Um, I, yeah. I think I've heard this a couple times across the interweb, but I was surprised by how similar they were. Um, explicitly, uh, the fact that they had a lot of thematic and aesthetic overlaps. Uh, I won't go into what those are, since we're not going to be reading Six of Crows for a little while now on this podcast, but I did think it was interesting. What did you think about uh, the fact that they had some similarities in, in some of their aesthetics, those books? Oh, I I think it really helped me like this book more because yeah. not to go on a full deep dive of Six of Crows, but that is my most favorite book ever. Mm. And so already like having similar like just vibes to it, I was like, all right, I'm I'm already interested in the book. Like, I don't care that I don't know what all of like these words mean. I... I'm in it because I've learned that I really like the aesthetic of like thieves Mm. and outlaws in places where around every corner there's like another danger and I'm here for it. So I loved it. It was a really good, uh, it was an easy way to get me hooked on the story. That's for sure. Yeah, I felt the same way. Like I liked that they were so similar. It made me think, oh, this is something I'm familiar with and that I like very much. Um, So... Tell me then, Caitlin, what did you think about the world building in this book? Well, like I said before, I think reading the Remnant Chronicles would have really helped first. <laughs> because, like, immediately the book started using words in places like Sentinel Valley and Vagabond and Venden, and I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and Sentinel Valley wasn't even on the map that's provided, so I was oh. like, where are we? <laughs> like, I need to know where we are. I don't know what's going on. But, like, I mean, the book, it gives you enough context clues to, like, you. It, I wasn't, like, lost in translation or anything. Like, I was able to figure out what all the funny words meant. Uh-huh. But um, ultimately, I did stop caring about the places in the book and the intricate details of, like, the political issues between Venda and the Ballinger family uh. because I was more focused on the relationship between Kazi and Jace anyway like I knew enough of the world uh, to figure out like what was going on so I understood why Kazzy and Jace were both struggling and staying loyal to their individual causes but Mm. mostly I was just like okay but what does this mean for you two as a couple yeah yeah I I (laughs) if you look at my nose I just have that Marge Simpson holding a potato meme that says I just think they're neat 
Um, <laughs> because I did. I thought that all the places in the book were neat. Um, I have to agree with you that I think I had to restart the audiobook, like, from the beginning, just that first um, chapter, like, three times, just to understand what was going on, because I kept, like, z- zoning out a little bit, and then being like, wait a minute, I don't know what's going on, I'm having to go back, um, just because I yeah. didn't have a lot of context from uh, the Ronin Chronicles. But with that in mind, I did I did think that a lot of it was very interesting. Um, I thought that some of the, the discussions of, like, magic were a little vague. For example, the fact that Kazi... Yeah can or may be able to sense and listen to ghosts and I'm still like 50% unclear about whether or not everybody else in the book has that ability. I think it's like I think all of the magic is super vague in this story and again if we read the trilogy that came before it probably wouldn't make more sense but (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's more of just I, I almost didn't mind it be, because I think if it got almost a little bit too involved in the magic, I would have gotten a little confused because, like, I already didn't quite grasp the world yet. But I I kind of liked that it was just vague and, like, matter-of-fact yeah. in a way. Like, I want to know more, but to me, reading the book, it seemed like not everyone had the sense of it. Like, Ka- Kazi definitely did. And, like, how she was saying how there are some people who have, like, I think it's called the sight in it, where, yeah. like, like Sinave, like, knows what might happen because she sees it in her oh, dreams. Or, dreams. like, yeah. Yeah, and then there was, like, a seer that talked to Jace later on and, like, warned him of something. So I think it's just very selective. I, what the qualifications are to have these powers, I have no idea. But um, I think it's just some people do, some people don't, and that's about as general as I could get about it. Hmm. I had a dream last night where my seventh grade English teacher picked me up and spun me around in a circle. I did not like it. <laughs> that's that's a choice. It wasn't a choice that I would like to have had made. Um, so I hope that I don't have Sonova's gift and that that does not happen to me in the next... In the next... Uh, ever. Ever. In the next millennium. There is also that theory uh, that, you know, your dreams are portals to other universes. What's going on there? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. What's going on in that That's universe? A really good question. Apparently in that universe, I'm still having um, dreams about, like, high school, so. Yeah. I have the same. This is, we're going to go off on a tangent for a second, but I don't know about <laughs> you. I th- I've told you this before, but I think everybody needs to, to know this. I have the same dream, like, every couple of months where I'm in my high school musical and I'm the lead and I forget to come to all the practices so I show up on opening night but but let's be clear I'm not in high school I'm, I'm 24 um <laughs> and when I show up there they give me the script I have to learn all the lines immediately and then when I get out on stage everyone in the crowd is naked and I've had some rendition of that dream like once a month for the past like four or five months what does it mean I don't know I wish I could tell you. My <laughs> dreams are all over the place, very vivid, every single night, and I remember all of them. So yeah, same. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I had the monotony of your your dreams. They're not enjoyable. I woke up, <laughs> I woke up after uh, my seventh grade English teacher put me down, uh, oh. and well, there was just sweat dripping down my back. From I woke up in a that, that dream gave me night terrors. No offense to my seventh grade English teacher. 
but <laughs> it was not it was not consensual. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We'll probably cut all of this out, but anyway. Yes. <laughs> Just in case our seventh grade English teacher listens to this. I actually hope he listens. I want him to know that, that I'm thinking of him, and I hope he's safe and well. And I wish he put me down. <laughs> please, please stop spitting me. <laughs> I, it wasn't even like a romantic type of thing, which I'm so glad it wasn't, yes. first and foremost. It was like... It was like a threat. Like, he picked me up and he wasn't putting me down. I woke up dizzy. <laughs> I thought I was going to throw up last night's dinner. <laughs> Tell me about the symbolism of the rest of this book. <laughs> he was like, Emberlyn, you, your, your final project for 7th grade humanities is late. And he picks me up and he spits me and throws me <laughs> to a wall. <laughs> You get an F in the court. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyway. So that, anyway. So, was there a specific moment that hooked you for Dance of Thieves? Um, there were two. Um, the first for me was when Cassie juggles the orange and slips away a few for the Vendon settlers. I thought that was such a neat little touch, um, and it made her character interesting for me, because I think when I start a lot of these books, since we've been reading so many fantasy books, I'm like, okay, the female protagonist is here, what about her? And then, occasionally, when I'm lucky, the narrator shows me something interesting about her that I really like, like that she can juggle, and she likes to, you know, steal oranges from merchants, um, which is neat. And I also feel like there's clear imagery and symbols and icons in this book that have deeper meaning um, that I really enjoyed. I really love that when books do that. So, for example, the orange I thought was clearly a symbol of wealth, not just in the monetary sense, but um, in terms of wealth and love and family and community. Um, it's something that Cassie longs for. She loves oranges. They're her favorite. But she's only ever had it fleetingly. Um, she can give it away to others, and she does as she does in this scene. Um but doesn't find that for herself until later in the book. I really like that. Um, we had another English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> not the one that picked you up and spins you around in your dream. Yeah, yeah, not that one. Um, in high school, that absolutely loves to find the symbolism in books, and I hope she's so proud of me right now. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Mercurial, my beloved. I loved her so much. <laughs> she would be so proud of you right now, your symbolism. I hope so. Uh, yeah, if I had a nickel for every time a piece of media made me feel emotional about oranges, I would have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. It's an odd one. One of, them, one of them being this book and the other being Our Flag Means Death. Again, not sponsored, just would really like that show to be removed. I'm really I'm going to be so pissed if like they renew it after before with these episodes air. So if you are if you are uh, a listener at home listening to this after it's been renewed, then I'm so happy for you. But if it still hasn't been renewed at the time you're listening to this, then you should start a coup. Um, and know <laughs> that when it is renewed and we find out, we will be mentioning it in this podcast. We will be saying a it's lot of things about it. underlying thread. Yeah, the underlying thread is we are we are bingo buengo insane for the show. Yeah. So that was the first. Um, and then also when Cassie shares a riddle with Jace about the moon, um, and I have mm. that riddle for you here. My face is full but also slight, pale in the bright of light, whisper sweet to the forest owl, kiss the air with the wolf's sad howl. Eyes follow me from sea to sea, yet alone in this world I will ever be. Uh, uh. <laughs> Do 
Caitlin is just like shutting her eyes and like processing that. Um, I was listening to this while I was out for a walk last weekend and I literally had to stop walking and just like stand in the middle of the sidewalk in uh, Northwestern DC because I like had to catch my breath. Are you crying? <laughs> Moon riddle. <laughs> I think she's crying. <laughs> she is crying. Listen. <laughs> that part got me good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think it was the first time I cried not even 100 pages into a book. Um cuz usually I have to spend a little more time with the characters. But this scene like it is once again now made me cry. Like I think it's I think it's because one love the moon. Yeah. <laughs> Two, love the moon. I don't know if you've noticed our title, but it is called Lit by Moonlight. Yes. There are reasons for it. Anyway, I really love the moon and space and stars and they make me emotional in a way that I cannot put into words yet. So that element and just the fact that Jace knew there was something up with Kazi, why she couldn't sleep, and so he notices that and just asks her to tell him riddles. And she eventually, like, she tells him all these riddles, and then she eventually falls asleep. And just the way she, the way he helps her without her necessarily picking up on it right away, and just the subtlety of it, of him doing it, and not being like, I'm going to help you do this. He's just like, we're going to make this casual so we both feel comfortable and you can finally sleep. It just, even if he doesn't know the reason why she can't sleep underneath an open sky, it makes me feel so soft. Yes. And cry. Yes. 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 That was also, yes. <laughs> that's all? <laughs> that's definitely. That, that's all. Yes. <laughs> Um, so that definitely helped me really get into um, the book. And I was like, oh, I think I like these two. But uh, my true hook is when Kazi gets uneasy looking up at the sky. And she says, I saw a dizzying sky of stars meeting an infinite empty plane. And Jace recognizes that something had bad had happened to her and that made her react so badly, like, to, like, at, you know, all the openness of like the sky and the plains uh-huh. so he tells her hold on to me let me show you the stars and when i read that i was actually listening to the audiobook and i was doing the dishes and when he said let me show you the stars i nearly broke a mug <laughs> because it made me go ah uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> And then he proceeded to tell her all the stories behind all of the constellations that he can see. And because he does that for her, Kazi notes, um, Soon the whole sky was not a sky at all, but a dark parchment of glittering stories, each one connected to the next. He takes something that was so scary for her and makes it beautiful. And to me, that's the way of saying I love you without saying the words I love you, which is something I've always adored in literature and in real life. So that that's where I was like, yep. We're in it. Oh, now she looks like she's crying. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pouting because I feel like any type of metaphor that has to do with the sky, uh, the night sky particularly, just really does it for me. Just really does it for me. Yeah. I could go on and on about the stars. Yeah, go off about it. <laughs> in this essay, I Space. will. <laughs> the final frontier. 
So uh, what song would get stuck in your head as you were traveling while chained to your lover? Because mine would be The Chain by Fleetwood Mac for obvious reasons. Yeah, no, I think that works here. I think I said that, what, what did I say that for? Another book recently. I think it works It works so well for any situation where there's like, there's some tense feelings between the main characters. Yeah. Um, it's just the perfect like going into battle song. Great choice. Or if, you know, the chain <laughs> keep you together. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Again, this is why this is why uh, you're making Mrs. Mercurial proud <laughs> with all the symbolism, and I'm like, there's a literal chain keeping them together. <laughs> there are moments like this when I think if there were like psychiatrists here observing my behavior, they would just shake their heads. <laughs> They'd be like, she. <laughs> They'd p- they would pick you up and spin you. <laughs> poor, poor thing, she doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> um, I had to think about this because I just read this question. I didn't have. Uh, anything prepared to answer and I have a good one um yeah but I want to tell you my hilarious one first and it's that song uh it's in one of my Harry Met Sally um called it's you say potato I I say say potato potato. you say tomato that one because it's just like I don't know the two people in the song they have different pronunciations of things and but then they decide to call it all off and now they're friends um so that, like that that's like my ha ha little chuckle one. Um, <laughs> but uh, my my true one I think is "Kiss with a, fi- a Fist" by uh, Florence and the Machine because yeah. like they're they're kissing and they're also using their fists to punch each other upon occasion because they're enemies to lovers. Now that we've we've uh, talked a little bit about our our, our playlist for this song. Uh, which, speaking of which, we will actually have one of those on our Spotify. Yes. You can go check it out there. I want to hear what your two peaks in a valley were for this book, Caitlin. My two peaks in a valley. Well, my first peak was the imagery of the ghosts that Kazi can see. Mm. Or, well, not see, but like sense and hear oh, throughout yeah. the book. It was so cool to me. Like, the book begins with the line, the ghosts are still here. And I was like, go on. And then a few lines later, we get, they call to you in unexpected moments, their hands lacing with yours and pulling you down paths that lead nowhere. And then there's the repetition of, shh, Kazi, don't say a word, which we later find out belongs to Kazi's mother from like a memory from the last time Kazi saw her. Mm. And the addition of some characters like Kazi being able to hear these voices of those who have passed or feel them, put their fingers to their lips Mm -hmm. or their hand in yours. I thought it was just a really cool element, and it definitely helped pique my interest for the book, since you find out about that literally within the first line. Right. Um, I thought it was a really cool world element, um, even though we don't really know a lot about the magic in this book, if you are silly and didn't read the Remnant Chronicles beforehand like we did. But, silly. <laughs> but I just thought it was, I thought it was really cool. Uh, what was your first peek? Ah. Uh... I thought that, and maybe this is me trying very hard not to compare to uh, The Cruel Prince, which we previously read, Um, but I just Mm -hmm. felt like Enemies to Lovers was executed better here, and just executed well in general, Um, and with the classic, we're handcuffed together and we hate each other plotline, which I enjoyed. I think that maybe sometimes, some people might might read that and say, oh, that's kind of an overused plotline, but I enjoy it. You know, I, I feel like sometimes I love it. Like a, a plot point or, or like a, a particular trope doesn't have to be uh, 
particularly, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, I think, all, all the time when you want to, you know, tell a story about two people that hate each other and come to love each other. And I also felt like they were pretty balanced in their, in their deceptions of each other. Um, it wasn't the case that one of them was, like, absolutely terrorizing the other to the extent that the reader might start to wonder, am I supposed to, like, want these two to be together? Mm-hmm. They were both likable. Um, you're kind of rooting for them both, even when at times they were kind of um, making some choices. Um, and, choices were made. Yeah, choices were made. And I also think uh, it helped to get um, the perspective of both of them in this book um, narrating so you could see the romance between them play out uh, from both of their perspectives. Uh, that was like an added little treat for me um, because I could understand how each of them was feeling at each moment. Um, and I, I enjoyed that. How about you? What was your second peak? My second one was I loved seeing two groups of people who are supposed to be enemies working together and taking the time to have conversations and learn the other side's perspective. Mm. Um, which, of course, you get with Kazi and Jace because they are in an in, in enemies-to-lovers relationship. Uh-huh. Um, especially with Kazi learning the Ballinger history and rethinking what she has been taught about their country's history. Um, and when Jace and his family rebuild the Vendon settlement, settlement that was destroyed, I, I just... I love the moment when Jace tells Camus, who's like the um, the leader of that settlement, kind of. Uh-huh. Jace tells them about the Ballingers and how they have traditions, and Camus replies, we have traditions too. You could tell Jace about them. So Jace and his brother Mason sit and they listen and they learn more about how the Vendon live and how little that they actually have. So he gives them more space and better soil to live on and he even makes a vow to protect this settlement Mm -hmm. which is something that's very important to him and his family and how he vows to protect the children of uh tor's watch and i just i i just love seeing people come together and have like work together and have conversations to understand each other better instead of just reverting to arguments or fighting and like oh i hate you because i'm supposed to and just Mm -hmm. being like well, I was told this. Uh-huh. What's your perspective? I I thought that was really cool to see uh-huh. throughout the book. Uh-huh. I think this about, is a what thinly, was your second one? First, I just want to acknowledge, I think this is a thinly veiled um, read that Caitlin has given me to stop subtweeting Joanne Rowling. Um, <laughs> and it's not something I can comply with. I'm sorry, Joanne. Um, you're going to have to oh, don't apologize keep to blocking me each time I make a Twitter account. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I agree. I I think that I really enjoyed the aspects of communion in this book because it can, I think, sometimes it, it, it be incredibly difficult to, to breach cultural boundaries and try to understand how other cultures experience things and their traditions. So it was, it was interesting to see that play out in this little fantasy world. Um, and I also thought it was interesting that there was maybe this third party in here that was kind of stirring things up between these two groups. Um, that's not completely uh, separate from the way that things work in real life, where there's always, like, somebody in there who's got a little extra influence and might be, you know, uh, pulling on people's strings a little bit to get them to have conflict. Um, Having a silly, goofy time. Yeah. So that was neat to me as well. Um, I think my second peak, uh, to answer your question, is that this book just really surprised me in so many facets. Um, It wasn't at all what I expected. Um, I was just surprised by how much I liked it, how quickly I got through it. Um, This book is like 700 pages, right? Uh, In print? 508. 508, okay. 
Um, so, you know, it's long. Um, and I flowed through it so quickly. Uh, it may have just been because I was reading the audiobook, but there weren't necessarily any places where I felt like I needed to pause. Um, and the plot progression made sense to me. It was something that I wasn't expecting to like very much after after last week, after our last charade. But uh, I did. I did like it very much. The bar was low. The bar was low, but it, it, it succeeded. It succeeded. Um, it did. It really did. Yeah. So tell me about your valley with this book. Uh, my valley was that I just, I really wish Kazi and Jace didn't get together so quickly. Ah, uh, yeah. They kiss by page 113, and this book wow. is 508 pages long. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I which is awesome but it was just so quick and I I love a slow burn I live for the tension and moments that characters share before they get to the wait a minute Uh I like you and then like before they kiss because I, I love reading about two characters learning to work together or just having moments like the moon riddle and helping uh-huh. each other heal their wounds with the wish stock. Like, I, I love those little things where it's just like, this is so sweet. And also, the like, there's, you can cut the tension with a knife. Like, it, yeah. you're like, oh, what? they both want to kiss each other, but they're not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I live for it. And <laughs> I it just, it always makes, like, when they, when two characters do finally kiss or get together, it makes it so much better because they've spent so much time and so many moments uh, building up to it so I was really hoping because I was loving those moments that Kazi and Jace were sharing together where I could see them like in both of their perspectives being like maybe I do like her or maybe I should trust him <laughs> a little bit more and I was like this is gonna be great when they finally kiss and then all of a sudden it's like uh-huh. then his mouth was on mine and I was like already <laughs> <laughs> they're doing this <laughs> I mean like I'm here for it but already <laughs> uh, uh-huh. so they didn't get to me- in my opinion, they didn't spend that much time in the enemies part of their enemies to lovers dynamic, so I was a little yeah. disappointed by that. But yeah, no, I felt that way too. Um, there were times when I was just like, "Oh, we're we're doing this. We're yep. we're jumping right in, huh?" Um, and I, I definitely I can see why like not every relationship has to be a slow burn, but I think in this case it would have made more sense because for my valley, there were times when I just felt like the dialogue between Jason and Cassie was so on the nose it was almost cringy um at one point they had dialogue uh that made me say aloud to the only other sentient being in my proximity my cat (laughs) are you kidding me (laughs) manny doesn't get it either it was like the type of i can't even recall what was said but it was the type of thing where if i heard um a friend of mine and their partner say it in public i would probably put them in timeout um (laughs) i was like whoa 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 (laughs) so I, I, I don't know. I think that's something that a lot of young adult authors struggle with, honestly. It's hard to create natural dialogue between two fantasy tweens, especially if you're not a tween and not living in a fantasy world. Also, if I may, on that same note, about some of the lines being on the nose, uh, the children in this book, Jace's <laughs> kid brother and sister, gave me my daily dose of uh, birth control. <laughs> um, there's just something about the way that adult authors write children to speak that really wiggles my wagon. Yeah, um, they were kind of like, Jace, oh my god, what did you do today? Do you like her? It's just like, no. I don't think I don't think my little brother ever acted like that when he was their age. My little sister bit my knee when I was a child. Just <laughs> bit, bit my leg right off while I was watching the backyard again. So, not the same. She got into the thick of it. She did. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that note of characters... 
that we liked or didn't like. Which character would you tell a riddle to to help them fall asleep? I liked both Jace and Cassie as characters in this book. Um, sometimes you read a book where the couple, the main couple, is just like nauseating. Uh, but I, I enjoyed them. I would hang out with them. We'd be friends. I felt like they were strong leads in their own right. Um, they are both very calculated. They both had their own interests at, uh, that they were prioritizing as they were trying to um, dance around each other. Um, as thieves do. That's the title of the book. Um, so I, I like them. I thought they were cool. I, I just thought they were neat. I, I said, really holding neat. them in my hand like a little potato. They really were both really good leads. Yeah. Like, there were... They were. There were times where I was like, oh, okay, I'm rooting for Cassie. But then other times where I'm like, okay, but actually, I'm here for Jace's point of view. Like, I, yeah. I, I was never like, oh, we're reading this person. Like, they were good. You're right. It was it was good. Tell me about uh, your favorite character um, in this book. I, not so much, like, they weren't my favorite, but, like, I just really, really enjoyed, because I don't think I have a one solid favorite character. Yeah, but me neither. One of my favorite side characters was Sinove. Uh I thought mm-hmm. she was very funny, but also I just, she was very interesting to me because she had that whole backstory of that traumatic, horrible thing. I think it was it her where her parents were beheaded in front of her when she was little. Yeah. Um, you know, not a silly fun time for her as a kid. No. Uh, and so she's got that, and she's always, like, she's someone who's described as she never stops talking, but it's not because yeah. she's annoying. It's because she's trying to just, like, fill in the gaps for both Kazi and their friend Ren, who both... Um, respectively have had their own traumas and so Sonobe is just trying to like keep everyone's minds off of everything so she just like anything she can think of she's just gonna keep on talking so they can all just have a fun normal time together and it just seems like she's always kind of the one to try and like distract her friends and herself from these horrors so I would want to take the time to like help her for once so that she doesn't always have to be the one to create these distractions and she can get like a load off and just like take care of herself for once so i would say sonove sonove i think that's a great choice so is there a character that you would gladly knock out with birchwing um paxton because he's the only character i really was like ah this dude's annoying in the book and that is because his whole purpose is ah this dude's annoying so him yeah that's his gimmick yeah what Um, about you uh, same. I feel like with a name like Paxton, it has to be him. Like, he's obviously the rival in this book, and whenever he shows up in this book, I get, like, huge Squilliam Fancy Son vibes. <laughs> I was like, this guy thinks he's he's hot shit, but he's, like, also secretly evil. And, um, yeah, not, not a fan. Yeah. Not a fan. Agree. Who's a... Okay, so the very last chapter in the book is... So every chapter is, like, chapter 26 jace and then the next one yes. would be kazi or whoever it would be you're always told who you're reading from the very last uh-huh. chapter does not have a name to it and it's very ominous and it's like there was a letter that was sent by one of jace's sisters saying they need help one of their brothers is dead and he this we know it's a man because they say uh-huh. he um and he says that he knows exactly what the letter says because he was behind her when she wrote it. And right. 
And the letter was carried by a bird, but he shot down the bird so that the letter couldn't get to where it was supposed to go, which was supposed to go to Cassie or Jace. Uh-huh. And um, he takes the message and lets the bird go. Who do you think that was? Because they don't seem the nicest, and they seem to not be going for what Kazi and Jace are, so do you have any ideas? Oh, fuck if I know. I <laughs> I sat here and thought about this, like, all day at work. I was, like, like it, while doing my job. <clears throat> um, <laughs> just in case my supervisor was listening, I was working, I promise. Um, but whilst doing that, in the back of my head, I was thinking to myself, like, who... Who, who, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, like, I actually don't have an answer for you. I can't even guess. Like, maybe, maybe one of Jace's brothers. Yeah. Um, maybe Paxton, but he doesn't seem like the vibe of this character at all. I, yeah, I was, I was trying to remember, okay, who was taken with them, because at first I was like, maybe it's that, you know, evil captain they were supposed to be going after, and then I was like, no, oh, he's yeah. at, he's with them, like, he was captain yeah. already, and then, so my only guess has to be one of Jace's brothers, but, like, I feel like that's the obvious answer, so I don't know, yeah. and I, I don't know what their motive would be to go again, so I was trying to remember anything about them that could have been, like, obvious to be like, hmm, this person actually doesn't want to, so, like, I don't know. The first answer that came to mind was Gunner, but only because he was kind of always like running his mouth like, yeah. a little bit. But I, yeah, I don't. I have no idea. What about like, I don't know. I know the Commissar was allegedly the. Uh, uh, I think the Commissar is is the villain in the uh, the, the original series. Yeah, I think so. So too. maybe it's a callback to him or someone related to him. Yeah, maybe it's like really obvious that if we just had read the Remnant Chronicles before we read this We would book. be like, this is it, like, yeah. Oh my god, it's this guy! I can't believe he's back! Yeah. Ah! Yeah. So. Yeah. I can't believe that guy we don't know is back! I can't yeah. believe it! The guy I've met before. I loved him. He was my favorite guy in those yeah, books. Yeah, my favorite guy. You're my favorite guy. Definitely better than the guy that picked me up and spun me around. Definitely. This guy would never do that to you in real life or yeah, in Yeah, this guy would never do that to me. This guy would just throw me into the air and let me fly away with a little birdie. So. Um, anyway. Uh, I think that this is all wonderful, and I'm learning a lot about the last chapter that <laughs> I feel like I wasn't fully present for um, yeah. and have no idea about. But I think we can probably wrap up by talking a little bit 100%. about how we rated this book on a scale of one to five oranges. I rated this three and a half oranges um mm-hmm. i really enjoyed it as i've stated i stated before i saved my five stars for the very special books um yep. that just gripped me there's there's a system so this one definitely wasn't a five star for me but i gave it three and a half because i really enjoyed the book but i would have enjoyed it more if i understood the world better and mm-hmm. i can't completely blame that on not reading the remnant chronicles before this book um, because this is a separate story. Like, yeah, I was looking it up. I was like, can I read this and not read the other ones? Like, um, yeah. like for Six of Crows, like for people who read Six of Crows before the Grisha trilogy, like you totally can. It just might make some things make a little bit more sense. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to compare the two, but it's the only thing that I could really like kind of base it off of. 
but right. I feel like I shouldn't have had to work so hard trying to fill in the gaps of this world, and I feel yeah. I feel like the writing should have done that for me, so I felt like yeah. I never had a good grasp on how this world worked, despite it being based in the same universe, but it is a separate story, mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I shouldn't have had to know who that guy from those books were. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should know. I shouldn't have to know who that guy from those yeah. books are. Just tell me. Just tell me. Um, <laughs> what did you rate it? Um, I also said three and a half oranges. Um, I took off an orange for some of Jason Cassie's dialogue, and I took off an orange for the kid characters. <laughs> um, or should I should I like keep the orange because now I've got my daily dose of birth control for the day? Like, you how can- do I? It's really a flip, negative or positive, you know? You can split the orange in half and uh-huh. throw a half at both of the kids. They, okay. It's, so, it's fine because it, do, it doesn't really hurt them, and they get a snack, which yeah, means that they stop trade. talking. It's a fair trade. They get a snack, and I uh, get to keep uh, my womb empty and intact. Um <laughs> So, great. Um, and I took off half an orange for myself because I deserve a little treat. You do deserve a little treat. I think <laughs> for we all, all my deserve, hard work. For all of your hard work. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve sitting that half. Here, sitting here and talking to you. Waking up in the morning with cold sweats. Uh, <laughs> a lot of work. You know, if I had a dream about my seventh grade English teacher spinning me around I think I would deserve at least half an orange for that so at least half an orange yeah at least half an orange thanks for tuning in to our discussion of Dance of Thieves by Mary E. Pearson tune in next time when we go on a mission to restore magic to the land of Arawia when we read We Hunt the Flame by Hafsa Faisal <laughs>